welcome to the Antisocial Podcast. This is episode 178, and it's with Luis J. Gomez. But before we kick into it, I have a funny feeling that a few of you have never heard of my voice before. So if we are newly acquainted, how you doing? My name is Andy Dowling, and in addition to hosting this podcast, I also play bass in the Australian metal band Lord. So if you love a bit of heavy metal, then you can go over to lord.net.au and uh Trust me, we're not a Christian metal band, so don't worry about that. But you can go to lord.net.au um, if you love uh, some heavy metal riffs and some guitar solos and a lot of sing-along cho- choruses and all sorts of shit. Um, go over there, check it out. Lots of video clips, music, our back catalogue, streaming music, uh, everything. The socials are all there. Go and have a sticky beak. Let me know what you think. We've got a brand new single out called United. Welcome back. It's the first single off our brand new album, Fallen Idols, which is coming out soon. You can go to lord.net.au slash united. Plug, 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 plug. We're just, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for this new album it's coming out soon more details to come but go and check out the single um it is heavy metal so uh listen to it pass it around a bit of people power goes a long way so thank you so much to everybody that's been supporting us and sharing that that song around whether it be on spotify or youtube or facebook or whatever um it just means a lot apple music it's everywhere it's everywhere go and check it out um so go and do that lord.net.au slash united. Um, also, I've got another podcast called The Self-Starter Podcast, which is all about small business, self-employment, and freelancing. A little bit more uh, clinical in nature, but um, if you're interested in starting your own business or um, getting a bit of a side hustle happening, a bit of extra coin in your pocket, go and check that out. Um, we are about to launch season two of the podcast in June. Um, so go over to selfstarter.com.au or search for Self-Starter in your podcast player, and you should be able to listen to all of season one at the moment. Uh, lots of stuff there and uh, really happy with all the support you guys have been giving for me for that one. Thank you so much. This week's shout out every week, I thank some legend that supports me in the podcast. It can be a range of different ways. It could be simple shit like, you know, a bit of social media love or a guest recommendation, or it could be even buying some merchandise from the online store at over at andysocial.net or shouting me a beer via the PayPal button over on my website as well. Whatever it is, small or big, it, it helps the podcast. It keeps this whole thing going and just means a lot to me. So thank you, everybody who does a little 1% extras. But this week's shout out is for Aaron Guthrie. Aaron is the visa extraordinaire, the visa expert for Soundworks Touring. And Erin's also got her own business that she started up called Tour Right Visa Services. And uh, if you're an artist from overseas, and I know I've got a few international uh, musos that tune into the podcast and you're looking to tour, it doesn't even have to be uh, musicians, actually. It could be like comedians or I'm just thinking of this week's guest. Um, it could be anybody um, that's looking to come into the country and work professionally, uh, especially in the entertainment world. Erin could be your person. So go to facebook.com slash services. And if you're a Australian promoter who's looking to bring over um, international acts, Erin uh, might be a great resource um, for you as well. So uh, once again, facebook.com slash services and Erin um, does a lot of great work through Soundworks Touring. Now, the reason why Erin's getting a shout out is that she sent me a very, very nice message um, just letting me know that she's listening to the podcast and really enjoying it, etc. And um, I was actually quite surprised because I've known of Erin for quite uh, quite some time, quite a few years, um, just from the association with Soundworks, but I'd never met her um, that I can recall. I mean, I have drunk a lot of alcohol over the years, but um, that I can recall. And um, I've never really had an interaction with Erin directly. And um, this was, I was just really stoked and surprised that Erin um, uh, was uh, making the effort to to check out the podcast and obviously listen and, and, you know, enjoying it as well. So it means a hell of a lot. So thank you, Erin. When you hear this, shoot me a message and I'm going to find some crap lying around the house to send out to you because we all like getting something in the mail 
And trust me, it won't be literal crap. It'll just be some stuff, some silly shit. So anyway, leave it with me. Thank you so much, Aaron. And thank you to everybody that continues to support me and the podcast. Now, speaking of support, I've been plugging this stuff a little bit more. I'm getting my little piece of paper here. Um, people that are supporting me through the Lord uh, online store, the Andy Social online store, um, my uh, Discogs and eBay stores. Fucking mind blank there. Jeez. Um, you can go to andysocial.net slash buy stuff. There is a whole heap of different stores that are set up that I have, um, either selling, you know, merchandise and apparel that's linked to the podcast or the band, or I've got my own personal stuff that I've been, uh, hocking off over the years. And, uh, eBay store in particular has an eclectic mix of random shit that Jess and I own. And, uh, you can go and have a sticky beak over there. And, um, also the Discog store has about 1500, um, items from my music collection, vinyl, CDs, cassettes, DVDs, all stuff ranged from metal to rock, to pop, to jazz, uh, blues, everything is in there. Um, you can go and check that out as well. And, um, I'm always uh, adding extra shit into the orders as well. So if you do order from especially eBay or Discogs and you just leave a message just to say that you heard uh, me crap on on this podcast about it, then um, I'll add some extra goodies in there for you as well. But uh, go over to andysocial.net slash buy stuff. All the links are in there. Um, I'm sure that if you went to Discogs and eBay and just searched Andy Dowling, you should be able to find my store as well. But um andysocial.net slash buy stuff is the best place to go. And a few quick little shout outs for people that buy stuff from me, buy shit from me. They include Paul from Wheat Sheaf in Victoria. Never heard of that place. Uh, Thomas from Imlin in Sweden. Chris from Boulder in WA. Dennis from Stur in Germany. Probably didn't pronounce that right. Uh, James from Westmount, Illinois in the US. Anthony from Coburg in Victoria and I'll leave the rest for later. But uh, thanks so much, folks. I've got a long list here. I could have just kept going and just lost track of time. Um, thank you so much, folks. Really appreciate it. And uh, once again, andysocial.net slash buy stuff. Cheers, folks. Okay. Episode 178 is with Luis J. Gomez. And before we kick into it, a little bit of context, a bit of background. So this episode was recorded in New York at the Gas Digital Studios. And for anyone that's not familiar with Gas Digital, they are a podcast network that has a whole bunch of great shows under their umbrella hosted by a number of famous uh, comedians and musicians and just some really, really great stuff. Um, shows that I've been a fan of for quite some time, such as uh, Legion of Skanks, The SDR Show, Believe You Me, The Real Ass Podcast, Ass, I can never say ass probably because I'm an Aussie. I want to say ass, but it's spelled differently. Anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. Uh, the Justice Show, um, I Want to Talk, Irish Goodbye, there's heaps. There's heaps of shows under the uh, the Gas Digital umbrella, so you can go over to gasdigitalnetwork.com and go and check all that out. You can become a subscriber and get a whole bunch of exclusive content, but it's also on the usual podcast pl- platforms as well, so you can go and have a steady big over there. Um, Lewis is a co-owner of Gas Digital, so we get into a little bit of Gas Digital in this chat. Um, but I've got to say straight up, I was fucking nervous, and I sound like a complete dork, a complete dork at times in this chat. Um, and the reason being is that I was in New York, I was in this fantastic podcast studio, like really professional. I was just in awe of of this place. Like they've done such a great job, um, and also Lewis was the first person that I've ever recorded on a podcast outside of of Australia. So I've had international guests on the podcast in the past, but it's always been over WhatsApp or Skype or like phone call or whatever. Uh, But this is the first time I've actually pulled my finger out of my ass and got a podcast happening 
outside of the country. Um, I always take my stuff with me, but I usually just get too drunk and lose focus and blah, blah, blah. So I've actually made it happen. So I've got a whole bunch of uh, episodes. You heard one last week with Michael Sheldrick, um, but Lewis was the first recording, the first one I did. And so as a result, I was overthinking everything. I was fucking nervous and just going into the studio and just, just in awe. It was just great, but it was a really fun chat. Um, Lewis is awesome. I'm a real big fan of what he does. Um, I'm a fan of his comedy. Um, I've been listening to Legion of Skanks for a bit now. And um, he's got a, oh, speaking of comedy, he's got a brand new special out called Lewis J. Gomez Presents Lewis J. Gomez. And you can go to Lewis J. Gomez Presents Lewis J. Gomez.com. Fuck, what a URL. I'll put it in the show notes, guys. Um, where you can go and grab his uh, brand new special. I believe it's his first ever special as well. So make sure you go and support him. You can get it from all the usual places uh, iTunes, Apple TV, Google Plus, Google Play, or whatever. Google Plus? No, Google Plus is gone. Uh, Google Play, um, Amazon Music and Video, gasdigitalnetwork.com, all those places. Um, and I'll put the links in the show notes, etc. So you can go and check all that out. But um, yeah, I'm nervous. Um, this chat goes from zero to a hundred almost instantly. And so much so that after the fact, and I was listening back to the the chat, I was tempted to edit the start of this, but then I realized that I was completely contradicting everything that we spoke about in this episode and what Lewis's comedy is all about. So I've left everything in there. Um, so don't at me, <laughs> brace yourselves. Um, if you know Lewis's comedy, you're a fan already, then there's no surprises here. Um, but if you've never heard of Lewis before, and you're going to give this a shot for the first time, just Bear with us, you know, um, and take it with a grain of salt. There's, it's, it's fun stuff. Um, Lewis's comedy is a lot of fun. Um, and just, just don't at me. All right. Okay, cool. Um, so anyway, enough of that. Um, gasdigitalnetwork.com, Lewis J Gomez presents Lewis J Gomez and that.com. Um, and all the rest is in the show notes, but enough crapping on from me. Please enjoy this awesome episode with Lewis J Gomez. I was going to say, in hindsight, if there's anything you want cut out, but then I realized who I'm speaking to, so it probably doesn't really matter. Doesn't at all. matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I highly doubt I'll say anything that's going to be so bad. I'm like, you know what, Andy? That's got to come out. I would actually, I kind of hope so, because it'd right. be pretty impressive. You know what? <laughs> Fuck all trans people. <laughs> As we're going to open up the podcast saying it. Let's set the tone. Just, you know what? It's, they're an abomination. <laughs> I don't even call them people, to be honest. All right, how we start? Are we all right? Are we rolling? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I got a little um, Facebook meme thing. You know, you can get those filters on your photos. Yeah. And it says, I support whatever rights they are. There was one that said uh, today, I support transit rights. And it was a picture of a transit fan. That's funny. And I thought I could probably use that. Yeah. 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 Okay, and by the way, I, d- I support all people's rights. I really do. There, I There's not anybody that's more supportive of anybody's rights to do whatever the fuck they want to do with their body. I just like to say fucked up shit. And I want to maintain that right to say fucked up shit. Um, you live in Australia. That's a different. It's a different world, right? I, mm. Do they? Because everything that I see online about Australian comedy is super, super. Like SJW, there's a message. They they seem to really be yeah pounding the pavement hard, but that's fine. It, and it depends on. I'm sure it's the same in the states, depending on where you are in the country. So in Victoria, Melbourne, they've got a big comedy scene down there, but that's real sort of social justice warrior sort of culture down there right um they're very sort of uh very liberal in nature and right. um so you see that in everything every aspect of culture down there so naturally their comedy scene sort of reflects that as well but um 
I guess it's the big cities, New York, LA, it's sort of the same thing. New York yeah. and LA are much harder to get away with doing the type of comedy that you know I do mm. or that you know the guys that I hang with yeah. really do um, and it works but it's definitely you see it more and more you see people you think New York's such like a badass city but everyone is very like <laughs> you know um you know, just it's sort it's sort of that's a very conscious thing that's on everybody's mind minds regularly, and I think because every everybody does everything at a pretty high level here. If you're, you know, if you're if you're a librarian in New York City, you have this sense of pride, like oh, I'm fucking I'm a librarian at the best library in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so you, I almost feel like everybody is sort of at like that cultural forefront, yeah. and they, you know, which is fine. You know, I'm not I'm not hating on that. I the, I just come from I don't really. I'm very selfish. I only care about things that affect me and my family directly. Um, so the reality of it all is like more power to you if you want to go out there and protest and do what you got to do. Just don't, you know, don't tell me not to say certain words. Just don't be a dick about it. It's like um, one thing that I've noticed, the people who do really well in Australia that are able to, I hate the word edgy, but have got a bit of an edge to whatever they're doing. It's all intention. If your intention's good, then you can say whatever the fuck you want. Right. If if you're intentionally an asshole, then you can be, you know, a social justice warrior and be an asshole, and it doesn't matter. You know, everyone's yeah. Sort of- I don't. Know. I think asshole sort of subjective, right? And mm. I think that it's also like it depends if it's a net positive, right? So let's say this quote-unquote, forget it being a social justice warrior, right? Let's just say it's somebody that goes into Africa and saves babies, mm. right, and cleans. The water and drinking wells, yeah. and they fucking, but they're a dick. Yeah, <laughs> it's a net positive. They're saving they African babies, out. so I don't really care how much of a dick they are. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so I don't really care if somebody's a dick. I, I I'm, I'm very selfish because mm. unless it's sort of, you know, bleeding into the areas that I really give a shit about, then it doesn't really affect me. Like, I don't, I don't really talk about politics. I don't think about politics. I don't. I don't believe that I can affect the political climate in any way, so I choose to ignore it, and I think I'm in a happier place. It's this sort of fake thing that doesn't really matter, mm. or that we can't really change, or isn't really affecting us the way that we think is affecting us, and people spend so much energy um, you know, putting their thought and, and passion there, where I'm like, dude, just put that passion elsewhere. Yep. Put that passion into literally anything, else. Any, any anything else, and you could actually probably... You know, best case scenario, make a living off of it. Mm. You know, you could turn this into your fucking dream. You can go down a certain path where you're like, this is what you do for a living. Um, But I just feel like there's a lot of wasted energy and most people waste their energy. Most people are wasting a lot of energy. And a few years ago, I was like, it was really during that that election, during the Trump election. I was like, oh, there's so much wasted energy here. And then I was doing, I, I was already doing so many podcasts and talking so much and it was bleeding into my shows so much. We were doing Legion of Skanks, which is a, you know, mm-hmm. the most offensive podcast on earth. Yeah. We're having these 20 minute long discussions about politics. And I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> what the fuck is happening? This isn't who we are. This is a train wreck I, we don't want. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm just starting to say these things and I'm getting myself like down a path where I'm like, I'm like, what am I even saying right now? Yeah, yeah. And I chose to, it was dur- during the election that I said, I'm only going to talk about things that I care about and know, mm. you know, because if I don't know about it and I don't care about it, it's going to come through. That's the thing. People, even if they don't even Podcast listeners and, and podcast fans, they're very in tune to your energy. And people don't realize it, but they're, re- they're, they're you're in their earbuds. You're with them every day on a subway ride or their ride to work or whatever it is, or in the gym when they're mm. fucking sweating. Yeah. And there's a weird thing where they're, they're very connected to the, the podcaster. And if you're faking it, they can really hear it. 
big time. I mean, I've I've noticed that where I meet up with people I've never met before in person, but they've listened to the podcast and they start sort of cracking like a personal joke or of like course. a joke. And your in- initial sort of reaction is like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. And then and then you go, oh no, they've been listening to me crap on for the last three plus years. Of course, and they know and everything they know about everything. you. Yeah. They probably know me better than myself. They guaranteed all my stupid little cliques and little words and things that I do that I'm completely oblivious to. Of course. But they know everything. Well, there's certain times when I, you know, I don't really think about what I'm going to say before I'm going to say it. I've been trying to be better about that. I've been trying to be more measured with my words and thoughts because we're, you know, there's a shift right now with, you know, just the way we, you know, everything is being documented, everything like... You know, you sort of have to go like, all right, well, at this point, I'm getting more mature. I'm 36 years old. I have a child. You know, it's just a different time. I don't regret anything that I said or any jokes that I've made. I don't regret all the times that I failed making bad jokes and they've bombed because I didn't think about what I was going to say first. That's very much a part of the process. But, you know, I can slow down a little bit and think a little bit sometimes. And I think sometimes it's, it's better to do that. But, you know, for me, I've always been sort of from the hip. And I always thought the best comedy, you know, was if you don't really think about it and you, you, it's reactionary. If you just if you listen to a podcast and you have a couple guys that are sitting in a room and they're talking shit back and forth, if they're not really th- overthinking what they're saying, you sort of get these genuine reactions mm. and you get these moments of like, and then that is sort of like addictive and then they're laughing with each other and then you're listening and you're laughing and you're like holy shit there's this real genuine moment and a lot of it comes from not thinking too much and taking some chances and saying well fuck it let's dance right now and, and see where we can go with this and we live in a society now especially in in with when it comes down to the entertainment industry um you're sort of taking that genuine improv out of it because people are so afraid of what they're going to get caught saying or maybe misspeaking mm. you know misspeaking is a real thing you could just say something you don't really mean sometimes you're like all right well fuck it who cares let's move on who gives a shit mm. you know if there was mike if people if i i broadcast for 10 hours a week anybody i'll challenge this to anybody in the world if you put a microphone on anybody for 10 hours a week you can find some fucked up, they're gonna say some fucked up shit. They're yeah, not gonna sure. be able to avoid it. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah. impossible for them to avoid it. Now I lean into it and I wanna say fucked up shit, but you're gonna tell me that you wouldn't misspeak 10 hours a week if you're doing this? You're gonna. There's gonna be a few times where you say something you don't necessarily mean. Everyone gets opinionated. Yeah, or you yeah. make a joke that you, you know, that falls flat or whatever it is. It's, you know, it's a lot. So, um. I mean, I've, I've noticed that when I started, like, you know, I'm a musician, so background sort of music and just getting on stage and playing and whatever. And then this whole podcast thing started to kick off and I thought, oh, this would be a good idea, just something different and sort of tickle another itch that I've got. And um, I just found myself just talking shit and I thought, and I became really self-conscious to begin with because I thought, no one's going to listen to this. This is, I've got nothing good to say whatsoever, but right. I'm just talking shit, but I enjoy doing it. And then after a while, you just realise that it just doesn't matter. And you just, but through... Just, it's not even, I mean, you meant to have a bit of a focus and a bit of direction, I guess, overall, but I sort of just enjoyed doing it that eventually those moments, those those genuine moments sort of click through and cut through the noise and suddenly you go, oh, wow. Like, and that sort of reminds you why people are podcasting so much. Yeah. It's just, I mean, but it's a really hard thing to do because you you do overthink it because you think, oh, fuck, like maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe, maybe I should have like hesitated a little bit or paused a little bit before I 
said that next line. Yeah. But then you realize that no one gives a fuck. Like, no one, no one cares enough. Or if people are, especially because it's not the radio, so people aren't just dialing in and tuning in yeah, to your station. They're actually intentionally picking your station or your, your, your show. Yeah, that's actually another really good point. I think that's maybe why podcasts haven't really been... Um, under as much fire mm. and they haven't been getting as much heat yeah. as other mediums because people say crazy shit on podcasts and they have forever and it's all just out there uh, but that's a good point I think maybe because it is um, you know there is an active way to listen to this you don't, you're not happening upon it it's not a station that's just randomly in your cab or in your Uber one day yeah. so there's a different type of um, yeah I don't know it's a different type of thing you're right I agree yeah I've um I've certainly had people on in the past where if I haven't said something fucking ridiculous, then the guest has, and I just I put it out there, release the episode, and I think, oh, this is going to be the one yeah. where where it's going to trigger somebody. It's going to set somebody off, and then I'm going to have to defend myself or ignore it or make those decisions of whatever how I'm going to manage it and just fucking tumbleweeds. No, yeah. one gives a, no one gives a shit. But it's also a net positive as well, right? All right, so Legion of Skanks, we do a show where we have a, a pretty big following, yeah. right? We have a couple hundred thousand people that listen to the show and it's um, we've got a pretty dedicated fan base. We have a, a comedy festival we do every year based off of sort of that world and that fan base. And, um, you know, now I look at what we do. You know, we've set, we've had certain shows where we make fun of people. Like where there was that guy, there was that newscaster from California who just died. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, he. I guess he was meeting up with gay dudes from Grinder and taking drugs and fucking them in hotels. And yeah, we're making jokes about him. Now he's got a nine-year-old daughter. Mm. He's got a little nine-year-old daughter out there. He's got a wife. He's got a family. And this is fucked up to say almost, but this is a way that I can kind of justify everything. Right? I'm waiting. <laughs> We make these jokes, and if his nine-year-old daughter heard it, her feelings would probably be hurt. The wife would probably be like, that's fucked up. How could they make these jokes mm. about this guy that just died? Yeah. But there's 200,000 people that are really enjoying it, <laughs> that are really having a good time. And in my opinion, that's a net positive. Yeah. <laughs> we are doing way more good for the world than we are doing bad for a few people. Um, you know... We, if let's say that nine year old girl wrote us a letter and said, This really hurt, I listened to this and this really hurt me. Number one, I'd be like, All right, you should be listening to the podcast, you idiot. Like, yeah. where's your mom? Like, <laughs> your mom right. needs that's some bad parenting. Yeah, your parents yeah. need to be around. Okay, <laughs> your father, he's not coming back, but your mom, she should be there. Um, but I would apologize to her. I yeah. would say, Hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. That yeah. was that wasn't yeah. the intent. The intent was it was a, a a public news story that's very big and very famous, and we were we were making fun of the content. If you could separate yourself from that, most anybody, yeah. if it wasn't your personal story, would laugh at what we do in those situations. And it happens time and time again in a comedy club where you'll be making jokes about this, that, the other, and then you make some joke about some subject. You say something about cancer, and then some girl stands up and she's like, "My mom just died of cancer." Fuck You're off. like, "All right, bitch. Well, I just made an age joke." That guy's <laughs> uncle just died of AIDS. He didn't say shit. He's just laughing because he gets it, you know? And I think that that is sort of like, that. that's sort of like the culture that we live in. I don't know if it's the same in Australia. Probably it is, but it's very much like, and I said it before, it's like whatever affects me, I get it. Because I don't, if something bleeds into my world, then I'll start to give a fuck and then I'll talk about it or address it or whatever it is. Now, I'm not going to impede on the rights of other people. Mm. 
if it bleeds into my world. Yeah. That's the difference. I'm not going to, when you say being an asshole, maybe essentially that's what you're saying. Mm. Um, because it's not just being an asshole. It's when you start to infringe on the rights of others. And I yeah. think that the, the right to express yourself, especially in an artistic standpoint, is a really, really important thing that we have to, we, we have to do. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, uh, you see, you know, forget comedy, you know, but anything, music, any sort of arts, movies, you know, I think we need to be able to express ourselves and to express different areas of life and to be able to poke fun at or, or, or shine a light on different areas of life. And it can't, everything can't be nice and not everybody's feelings are going to be protected. But I think it's really, really important. Do you find that in these larger cities, especially in New York, where you've got a lot of tourists that are dropping by, because comedy is like one of those things where you're going to bring in a lot of people from all over the world, and it's already a tourist city as it is. Right. Do you find that those those jokes that are a little bit maybe harder to swallow for some people in the audience, that you get more of a reaction from potentially those drop-ins, those tourists that come in that don't get don't get the joke? No, because I, I don't think it's people that are tourists that have the issue. I think it's these, you know, New York elitists, mm. L.A. elitists, people that, you know, that they, they want to be, you know, they want to be at the forefront of whatever thing that they're in. So it's like this virtue signaling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they see that that is, um, there's currency, mm. there's social currency, whether it's online or in real life by sort of having that. tweet. Yeah. Pull someone out. Yeah. So I think that when you go to the other areas of the country, you know, I just did a tour for the special I just recorded. Um, Louis J. Gomez presents Louis J. Gomez available everywhere April 1st. (laughs) Plug, plug, plug. Hell yeah. Throw it in. Um, You know, and I just did a tour and, you know, we did all these blue collar cities and that's the best fucking place to go. Yeah. These people have real problems. Mm. That was say I made that uh, point about Hari Kondabalu. He's a, I don't know if you know who he is, no. but he's an Indian comic who released a movie on Netflix called I believe it was called The Problem with Apu. Okay, which was if you watch The Simpsons, yeah, yeah. Uh, Apu from The Simpsons yep. is an Indian character, and he had a bunch of Indian American actors and comedians whenever talking about how hurtful this character was for their culture and yeah, whatever, right? right? Yeah. And like I see the fucking Mexican B guy and I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. Hispanic people, we have real problems. Yeah. And I think it comes from it's and I am not saying that Indian people don't have real problems. If you go to fucking Mumbai, I'm sure they you know, the yeah. kids that are living in some fu- I saw Slumdog Millionaire. I know it seems <laughs> it seems rough, okay? But I'm talking about the Indian kids that I grew up with in America, okay, the Harikandabalus of the world. Yeah. Dougie, their parents were well-to-do. These are, uh, you know, these are a class of people that do very well, that are educated, that do very... And look, it's hard work. It's not... Mm. Nothing's gifted to them, okay? But the reality is, I don't know how it is in uh, Australia, but every Indian American kid that I knew growing up was doing pretty good, and he was on his way to becoming a fucking doctor, okay? (laughs) That's what we always say. Am, Am I generalizing? Sure. But it's just a fucking fact, okay? And I think that the Hispanic kids that I grew up with, we just were dealing with real shit, real problems, abuse, being poor, being on welfare, growing, like, just, I can't look past, you know, my mom being a heroin addict and on food stamps. To, I can't, I'll never get down the list of problems to the fucking Mexican B guy. Yep. It'll never get there. They don't connect. There's so many other things before I get to Mexican B guy, and I think it's such an elitist... Um, privileged attitude to be offended by a cartoon i think it's like if your world is that you can be offended by this cartoon like like 
God bless you, dude, because you have no real fucking problems. Well, even even in Australia, what I find is that your stereotypical, you know, white male or just you know, Caucasian Australians, they're sort of feeling like they're left out now. So they're trying to find things to complain about and feel like they're marginalized. And of so, course, and it creates this. Uh, you're creating almost like a right wing, like yeah. guys who are being called Nazis and fucking yeah, it's happening all over the place. Yeah, and it's not even these guys aren't. They're not Nazis, except until you call them Nazis enough, and then they get together in a group with other guys who you're labeling Nazis, and then they all look around and go like, well, wait a minute, you're a Nazi and I'm a Nazi? We're not that bad, we're just hanging out. Oh, well, we're cool. <laughs> we'll be, who gives a shit? We're Nazis. Now you've created Nazis, you psychopaths. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, and they're just, they're just dirty yeah. white guys. Yeah. They're guys who can't make eye contact. Yeah. They're guys who, you know, would be into video games if it wasn't into this thing. And, you know, everybody wants to fit into something. And I feel like- It's a little tribe. White guys in particular, it's like, I, I, I talk about this in my act, but I feel bad for them because I'm watching them being pushed into this corner where- you know, you you would be defensive. If I'm if I was being told that I'm evil every single day, every day, eventually I'm going to strike back. Eventually I'm gonna feel like I'm back in the middle corner. I'm like, fine, I'm evil. Yeah. Let's go. Cool. I'm fucking evil. I'll show you evil. Yeah. And that's a real thing. Anybody in the world can understand that. Man, woman, black, white, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you can understand that. And I think that that's where you, you see these young you, you know, a group like the Proud Boys or yeah. you see these, you know, younger groups of like, you know, white right wing dudes. A lot of you know, you see it popping up all over the place. And it's just these guys want to fit into something, and it's like they're not—they're not really welcome. It's like every—it's like remember the scene in Forrest Gump where it's like every seat he tried to go to, it's like seats taken. Yes. That's what's happened to white guys right now—is <laughs> seats taken, and then they're fucking retarded and they want to run, and that's it. They're gonna start <laughs> running, and we should have yeah. fucking let them sit at our seat. That's the truth. Yeah, and oh fuck, I mean that analogy was going somewhere good until it, it fell off. <laughs> no, you, you held on to it. It was good. I don't know, but. Uh, I mean, I, I get to a point where I'm not even feeling, like no one's pointing fingers at me, but you sort of start to get hypersensitive about things and go, oh, should I have said that or should I have done that? And I think going back to what you said before about just not even paying attention to all this noise that's out there, politics and all this sort of shit in the media and whatever, as soon as you disconnect from it, then that's when the stress levels go. You know, you stop overthinking things. You can just act normally instead of feeding into whatever that stereotype that's being created out there. And that's that's the hard thing. So... You know, it's um. Fuck, we went we went pretty heavy then. Hell yeah, doggy. <laughs> Why not? Well, to to change it up a bit, I've got a mate of mine. Shout out to Kurt, back home. He's a massive fan, and he's and I said, look, give me some things to talk to Lewis about. I like it. And what up, goes, Kurt? How you doing, baby boy? Um, Ellis Mania. Hell yeah, Ellis Mania was a uh, a radio or uh, Jason Ellis is a radio DJ and personality, former pro skateboarder and former pro MMA fighter. Mm. He had a couple MMA fights. Australian guy. He yep. built his fucking bones in, in the States. Yeah. Um, and I like I like Jason, and he does this event every year called Ellis Mania, and last year was the 15th event. And I've, um, I'm a huge mixed martial arts fan. I don't watch sports. I don't give a fuck about sports. I think guys who watch sports are a little strange. Um, you know, if you're, if you're cheering for another dude playing with balls, like they're, they're, <laughs> men, they're men playing a game designed for children and you're cheering for him and you think you're in the team it's well. crazy yeah. it's all crazy behavior i watch it it's uh, i cannot imagine like if space aliens came down and were watching a fucking football game and watching all the guys cheering for the other men they'd be like all right let's just incinerate that this isn't a, this isn't right there's no point of this this isn't 
We don't get it, yep. okay? Huge industry. Mm. Um, but I'm not a sports guy. Big MMA guy. I do another podcast with Michael Bisping, yep. former UFC middleweight champion. Um, and, uh, you know, but I've always been very into the sport. And I've always, in a weird way, I think similarly to how people are fans of stand-up comedy, mm. um, I've always wanted to challenge myself. You know, and I think a lot of people want to do stand-up comedy. And they always have this little secret thing where they... they and I was just kind of wanted to train a little bit. And, and I never did, really. I mean, I've gotten into boxing classes here and there. Couple jujitsu classes here and there, but nothing extensive. So yeah, I always wanted to train, and I always kind of wanted to challenge myself. And I, I think most people can connect with that. Like, not only get into a fight. A lot of people have been into a fight, but really, I'm talking about like you know, put in a three month training camp. Mm-hmm. You know, get in shape, train, do jujitsu, boxing, wrestling. Put the diet in. You know, do actually get a, a coach. Put together a legitimate training camp. And get my body and mind to the absolute best it could be for this fight. And then go in and fight another dude who's done the same and come down and meet on a certain day. And there's something really, for me, I thought is really cool. Yeah. Whatever it is. You know, I'm not, I'm not a pro. I'm not trying to pretend that I'm a fucking badass. I thought there was something really cool about that. And people always sort of associate me with MMA. They think I've mm. trained and they think I'm like tougher than I am. Um, just because I look the part, I'm a bald head, big Puerto Rican guy. I'm also like, I just talk shit. I curse. Like if a guy talks shit to me, my friends, I'm willing to say something back yeah. to him. So that's, that is in the world of comedy where it's a lot of pussies. I think it's the same thing with music. There are a lot of pussies in music. You know, I, I grew up playing music. So yeah. I know like nobody's willing to fucking just punch somebody in the face. So when you see like Sebastian Bach jump off the stage and kick a dude and fucking throw a bottle into the crowd, it was so badass back in Thanks the day. Level, like, yeah, um, sorry, a very dated reference. 1989 Sebastian oh, Bach I, reference. You should hear our music. That's dated, man. <laughs> 80s, 80s metal. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah. My shit. I grew yeah. up on 80s yeah, metal. Cool. First concert, first two concerts ever were Poison concerts. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to do that, and uh, people think of me as that guy, but I had never trained before, so there was another gentleman out in L.A. who, this guy actually had trained. He mm-hmm. was a, uh, a Taekwondo black belt, but from when he was a kid. He yeah. got his black belt when he was a teenager, and similar guy, big MMA fan out in L.A. Um, named Brian O'Neill, very funny comedian, and through just a series of dumb Twitter exchanges we ended up agreeing to fight each other at this event it, w- it was sort of egged on by a couple of our buddies or comedians Ari Shafir Sam Tripoli and um, we just agreed we didn't know each other yeah. we had never met we just started talking shit and we agreed to meet and um, it was crazy the whole experience is kind of crazy because the first time I met him we go on to Jason Ellis's show and this is all online, and they do like a punch pad to see how strong you punch. Yeah, yeah. Now, like I've never trained before. Like I, like I've, I can just punch it, you know. And so I hit it, and my wrist like goes limp, and I, you know, you know, and it's just I register like a really low rate. They're all laughing in my face, and then this guy Ryan O'Neill comes, and you can tell he's just done fucking striking on pads his whole life. So he's like, yeah, he karate hits it, and fucking he registers like a really high thing. Did you just realize, oh fuck, I've. I've- that's in yeah, yeah in that moment it sort of got in my head I was like fuck dude well at that point I started going like alright well now I gotta fucking train my yeah, dick right, off like, I'm gonna cause I don't like in my mind before that I was like I have the strength advantage at least like I'm like tougher like I'm from the streets yeah. you know like in my mind I'm no. working myself up like I don't but the reality is this uh, when it's all said and done the smoke clears I look back in retrospect Neither of us had any idea what we're getting into. We're not professional athletes we're not professional fighters there's no tape on the other one mm. there's no way to really know 
who can beat who. You could talk all the shit in the world. Okay, these uh, professional mixed martial artists, they have an idea and they don't even know. It's yeah. any given Sunday. Okay, yeah. like these guys are very, very high level and they have camps and, and they have, you know, coaches and they have people that are watching tape and they can watch a dozen, you know, fights and they, they can analyze technique. Then, then it'll it'll all go out the window. Mm-hmm. But they have at least some data that they can look at. When you're just two dudes like us, there's no data, so we can talk all the shit in the fucking world. You don't know. You yeah. have no idea until you actually get in there and fight. So this is sort of, you know that became like a reality for me. But it stopped becoming about fighting a guy, <clears throat> and, and it sort of started becoming about setting a goal and hitting that goal. And I I started to disconnect from the fighting side of it and being afraid of being punched in the face. I was sparring a lot. So once you spar, if you were sparred, but you get punched in the face, you know, a hundred times, you're just not really afraid of being punched in the face anymore. It's just not, it's not fun. It just doesn't suck as bad as it sucked the first time. You don't have the same type of fear. In the beginning, you're like spending so much energy because you're herky-jerky. You're like, oh shit, this guy's coming at me. Every muscle fiber in your body is firing off. And that, that first time you spar, you get tired in like a minute. You're just spent, dude. Yeah. You have no idea what you're in for, but after a while you get relaxed and you know, if you're just sort of, if you're on a relaxed, you know, you're going to expend that much less energy. You have that much more cardio. It, you start to learn about, yeah, well. you yeah. start to learn about yourself and that's what it started becoming about. It became about like, I got a kid. I wanted to be able to show him this tape one day and show him like me setting a goal, getting in shape you know, hitting this goal. And I started to really psych myself up. Like I started looking at this guy as being like this person who's standing in the way of like a goal. Yeah. And then it, that, that goal is a part of a much bigger goal. And then I started like really working myself up, like, Oh dude, he's trying to fucking kill my kid. Do you this have like Eddie's montage in the back of your head? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I listen to a lot of music. You motivate yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, it's just, I've gotten in shape and gotten out of shape. It, you know, it's just sort of a microcosm of of life, and just a you know, I I I'm I, I have a lot of sales experience, and I just really believe if you set a goal, we're designed to hit those goals. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a path. Anything, and I really mean this. Anything you want to do, I really mean it. Like, there's a goal there, right? Whatever it is. And there's a path. It's a series of decisions. It's a series of left turns and right turns. And you get there. And to be honest with you, there's probably 100,000 paths to get there. You know, And then it can go off into a million different areas. It's infinite. You, know, the, you talk about chaos theory and the butterfly effect yeah, and yeah. all that other shit, right? That's sort of what you know, it all kind of plays into this. But I believe that path is there. And certain people can just see it and go, oh, cool, the path is there. Well, now I just got to figure out the lefts and rights. Mm. I get excited by it. Other people go, well, there's an infinite amount of lefts and rights. How could I ever possibly get yep. there? I I just have the attitude of like, it's a goal and I could hit it. And, th- and then it, I started to disconnect from punching and kicking and sort of becoming like, okay, well, physically, I need to overtake this guy and I need to come up with a game plan to do that. And it was much less about being tough and being a good fighter. And it was much more about putting together an actual game plan and setting a goal and achieving the goal. Um, and yeah, I ended up winning the fight. Um, unanimous decision, uh, three, three minute rounds went the whole time. Um, pretty decisively, um, outstruck him in the second two rounds, uh, you know, got, got the mount in the first round and, uh, it was a cool experience. It was a really amazing Experience. I have a lot of respect for mixed martial artists for what they put their bodies through. Um, you are getting healthier, but what you have to understand, it's like, you know, the amount of injuries that I got, and I'm not, I'm not a pro. These mm-hmm. guys are, you know, they're competing and they're training with the best of the best in the world, and these guys are, you know, they're using their bodies as weapons to 
do damage and inflict damage on the other person's body. And what that does to your body after, over time, it's a lot. I, I My shoulder, Fuck to that. this day, still not right. Yeah. I subluxed my shoulder six weeks before the fight, completely popped out, did not think I was going to be able to fight. I, I, I went and saw Freddie Roach's uh, uh, physical therapist. And, uh, you know, he did a bunch of magic on me and I was able to fight. My hand was broken two weeks before the fight, completely broken. I'm talking about like wrapped my hands backstage, like in physical pain, throbbing. Bisping was like, he was like, mate, just stop fucking bitching about your hand. You're not going to feel it. You're going to go out there. Adrenaline's going to kick it. in. And that was it. And I did it afterwards. I didn't yeah. even think about my hand. Yeah. Nothing. My rib to this day is still poking out like in a weird angle. Oh. I, both my ribs popped on both sides Ugh. when I was doing jujitsu. Fuck that. So what you do your body for nothing. I mean, I, yeah. I got paid almost. I, that's not true. I got paid good money because I, I hustled and I got sponsors. Yep. I went out and I got a. Uh, you know, a bunch of sponsors, Smoked Honey, um, Bet DSI. I went and got odds put on Bet DSI, and I took advantage of people <laughs> betting on it. I mean, it was a whole thing. I, I, but I look at the opportunity. You know, I, it was inconsequential um, whether the fight was good. I shouldn't say inconsequential. I was doing the fight, and and you know that personal goal was there. And then there was the other side of it where I can step back as a producer and go, okay, there's an opportunity to make some fucking cash. There's an opportunity to, you know, get more fans and to turn this into something bigger and better. And we, you know, they did three or four times more downloads than they've ever done on their pay-per-views for LS Mania. And it's two, you know, relatively unknown comedians. I'm not like a famous comic. I got a little bit of a hardcore, you know, following, mm -hmm. but it's not like these, these massive numbers where, you know, it should have done something, you know, crazy. And it was just because I think we put a lot of effort and energy into building the hype and doing something really, really fun with it. And obviously having, as you said, you've got that sales experience, but that business experience, being able to look at the bigger picture and see where, where those opportunities are. I mean, even with this, and I was talking to Bobby before, just trying to get an understanding of how long you guys have been here. And I know previously over at, I think it was Ralph's apartment. Yeah, it's apartment, yeah. As well. I mean... You guys have obviously come in with a bit of experience to be able to launch this and hmm. grow this to what it is already, and obviously it's continuing to grow. I mean, where where did where did that business experience and that sales experience come from? Um, I mean, I've I've always um, I've sort of always had a business sense. I you know I was the kid on my block who had a lemonade stand and an iced tea stand in the summertime. I was shoveling driveways in the winter time and raking leaves in the fall like yeah. I, I was you know I grew up really poor and I, I grew up very aware of I grew up very aware that I was poor and that I didn't want to be poor mm. I was very embarrassed of being on welfare and being on food stamps food stamps were these bright colored you know it looked like monopoly money that you would only use for food and they would give them to poor people yeah. you know and my mom would go to the supermarket and it was just some, and I'd, I'd walk away from the line as she would pay for the food because it was very embarrassing to me yeah. And I just always, since I was a little kid, I just sort of had this sense of, you know, wanting to make money for myself. I had an entrepreneurial type of, you know, spirit. I, I, I got a book, you know, had a, I forget the name of this fucking book, but it was like, just how to make money as a kid. And it gave you like 30 or 40 different ideas with different things you could be doing to make money. And it went into like, you know, everything from like, you know, organizing your own swap meet where people had to pay you like 10 cents to put their stuff into the swap yeah, yeah, meet, like nice. <laughs> to like, you know, just like they really like, and I, I just connected with it. It was something like you could just kind of, you can quantify your success 
very easily. It's like if it's a game, you look at it as like points, mm. you know, and, and I just kind of always, I liked that. I liked being able to buy my own things. Um, you know, I just didn't have a lot. So I think, you know, having... I got my first job when I was like 10 or 11 years old, um, sweeping up hair at a hair salon and, and getting all the girls lunch. Um, and I just always worked. I always had something going on. I always had some sort of like, um, if it wasn't legitimate, it would be like a scam. Right? It was like <laughs> stealing sneakers from the models in high school and selling them to the pizzeria guy who had everyone's ear in the neighborhood. It was like fucking awesome. like, but it was like, I, I, it was always sort of about like this bigger picture and, and always about making some cash and I was always looking for like an angle and I always sort of had that in me um, and then I got a job selling comedy club tickets in New York City when I was 19 years old um, that, it's what saved my life I was on I was down a dangerous path I was doing a lot of drugs and I was stealing a lot and just being a fucking punk ass you know I, you know, wasn't going down a good path hanging out with some, some kids that weren't doing good stuff and um, yeah I got this job promoting for comedy clubs and it was a simple pitch. You know, you go up to a, a tourist in Times Square or wherever and be like, hey, what's up? What are you doing this weekend? I'm like, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're here visiting from Alabama. Oh, that's awesome. I work for this comedy club. Have you been to a comedy club yet? I'm like, no, I haven't. Now you're, I've, now this is sales one-on-one. I'm yeah. already engaged them. They've already answered three questions in the first 10 seconds. Now there's this, if you know anything about sales, you want people to answer questions. That's it. Now I'm, now I'm already involved in a conversation. I just got this over the last five days in New York. So I'm following what you're saying and going, I've, I've, I've had this encounter probably those like guys, 10, 15 times before since Before those here. guys were a regular thing in Times yeah. Square, 2001, I was one of the first people doing that wow. out there in Times Square. There was one company doing it called New Genesis, and they were the guys that were doing it. Yep. Um, and then I worked for these guys, and then I, I just kind of got wind of it. They had an office, but then I found out the guy was, he was the office manager who was more or less a fucking care care taker for the floor okay. um, he didn't really have a real office it was all kind of fake and they just had this they got a yes from the comedy club to print their own tickets so I was like well why am I working for these guys so I started my own company I basically stole the ideas from these guys that's the <laughs> truth but I could do it better yeah. I was like I, I just had a better sense of how to do this so I started my own company that started selling comedy club tickets on the street but I, I remember just watching the guy do it the guy Renda who, who trained me on how to do it we were in front of Madison Garden. he just sold this girl you know, the package at the time was eight tickets for 20 bucks. You got eight tickets to go, you yep. bring you and your friends to a comedy club. You got to buy two drink minimum. So yep. it was, now they sell them for like 20 bucks a ticket because yeah, yeah. kids fucking hustling tourists. <laughs> Back then it was kind of, you go to colleges, it was a cheap thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, the pitch was very simple. It was, you know, you'd engage them, you start asking them questions. Cool. You know, comedy club. Cool. They have these great comedians who started in New York City. Oh, well, oh, have you seen this show? Great. And at this point, you know, you know their name, where they're from, how long they're in town for, who they're here with, how much, you know, what nights they have free. And I'm collecting this information. This is sales. This is the way it works. If you want to fuck a chick, this is also the way it works. It's everything is sales. I really believe this, right? So, Ask questions. If you ever want to get laid, just start going to start asking to check questions at a bar. She, people love talking about themselves. They don't even realize you're selling them, yeah. right? So, and then eventually, like, well, I got this deal. It's this great comedy club. If you don't have anything going on, and if you're likable and cool enough and personable enough, and you're you're out there, you haven't. Half the time, people go, yeah, I don't even know if I have time to do this, but here, take twenty bucks. Who gives a shit? I'll see if I can go to this comedy club. Who cares, yeah. right? And that sale. You know, you stop a person, it's belly to belly, it's fucking right there. You just meet a person, okay? It's it's so, it's the toughest sale in the world, okay? I just meet this stranger, I, you know. You gotta connect quick. I gotta, gotta connect quick, I gotta get them to trust me, they gotta take money out of their pocket on the street, it's fucking crazy, mm. okay? 
But that's the the basis of every sale in the world. You stop somebody, um, you by greet you greet them. If you're, if, you know, it's the same same thing. If you're buying a car, yep. you come out to the showroom. Hey, how are you? Hey, what's up? What are you doing in town? Right. Next thing you engage them. Step number two. Well, here, what are you looking for? A family family car? Do you got a family? Oh, cool. And now you're looking for emotional triggers. Yep. Oh, well, you need some something safe. You know, we have side airbags. <laughs> Same thing. Oh, you're yeah. in town with your family. You're asking them questions. You're finding out. You can now better place this product in their life. This is what it is. The next step, uh, you stop them, you engage them, you inform them. Oh, well, let me tell you about this product. Then you show them. You maybe take them on a test drive, right? You're letting them know about the different comedians that have been there. And then you close them. You say, well, give me the money now. And they say no. And then you bring them around in a closing triangle. And you tell well, let me tell you why. Give me the rejection. That's fucking the basis of every sale. If, you, if you're renting an apartment, if you're getting a gym membership, if you're fucking buying anything Everything. in the world, you're buying a house, you stop them, you engage them, you inform them, and then you close them and you you know continue. Once you move on to that closing step, that's it. You're just bringing them around and around and around. Whatever, I'm talking a lot. The point I'm making is, <laughs> that's where I learned how to fucking sell, was meeting strangers on the street in New York City and trying to sell them comedy club tickets. And that taught me a lot about... You know, it was the toughest sale ever, and I feel like if I can sell a stranger comedy club tickets, I can probably sell, you know, some amazing products that I really believe in, that I've created, that I have, you know, my passion in, and that's where I, I sort of shifted over to producing comedy shows, becoming a comedian myself, mm. um, you know, podcasting, developing my own podcasts, yep. developing my own podcast network, merch company, advertising company. Uh, comedy festival. I mean, these are all things that are I'm very, very passionate about, and we were sort of organically, you know, built, you know, all from the first time I said to some old lady, "Hey, do you want to go to a comedy club?" And you know, it all kind of built out from there. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it excites me the same way that getting on stage telling jokes excites me. It excites me to do a deal. Um, you know, we have an office next door. Mm. I'll go over there, and you know, we have an ad. We, our ad sales side is a very, very big part of the company. Yep. And it's exciting. It's exciting to look at the board. It's exciting to have sales guys that work underneath me. I, I get a kick out of that side of it as well. And anybody that's done sales knows what I'm talking about. There's a very thrilling, rewarding side. Um, you get the instant gratification of like, you know, it's I It's also closed. like golfing as well. Like you can see where you're, you're heading and you yeah. can sort of work towards it. You've got little steps or tick boxes along the way. It feels good to hit a goal. It feels yeah. good to clean your room. Hmm. It feels yeah. good to accomplish something. You know, yeah. every time you finish a task, everyone knows that little, f that feeling. Now, imagine that on a much larger level when, you know, we, we broke ground here and this was just a box and now I get to walk into my studio every day and go like, holy fuck, like this is incredible. We have, you know, we built something pretty amazing and, you know, for me, that feeling of accomplishment is sort of that, that's, you know, that that is a very big part of, I think, why we've been able to, to do this is sort of putting that goal ahead of everything and then working my way to that goal, you know, and these are easy goals. This is nothing like there's much bigger, crazier goals that are happening. And this is just one. This is just one of the left and right turns along this much bigger, bigger path. Do you think that just having so many different things on the go sort of feeds into your personality? Because for me, like, <clears throat> I can't just do one thing like I'll have a project and I'll work on it and have that same sort of thing, like a goal and I'll work towards it. But I've got to have like five different things on the go at the same time. Like if I, if I have one, it's just not enough. I've got to have things that I can, I don't know what the word is, like sort of like to stimulate my head. It's right. like this ADHD sort of thing where you sort yeah, of, yeah. Like, you've got to constantly just be moving between things, bouncing off stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I have major ADHD. I have like, you know, really, really bad. Um, and I, you know, look, I wish I'd be able to just focus on one thing at a time, but this is why I'm really good with, uh, I'm really 
really great with collaborating with people. I work with people that are very, very talented. Mm. I get to have a lot of different things going on, um, and I get to partner with people that are, are really passionate as well, that have a little bit more focused goals in those areas. So it's just about knowing yourself yeah. and, uh, and understanding sort of, um, you know, uh, just understanding... They're all just different, like little factors and variables. You can't, you, you know, I can't change the fact that I have ADHD, mm. you know, but I can use it to my advantage. It's just, you know, it's it's just a personality trait that I have that's a part of this, you know, much bigger thing. So I, I try not to let those things be deterrents. You know, I think it's probably good that I um, it's probably good that I work on a lot of different things and I have a lot of different things going on. Well, it's probably an advantage to have it in a way, like depending on how you look at it, it's probably. It's probably a real benefit to have compared to somebody else that doesn't have that sort of personality trait where they can only focus on one thing and anything more than one, like one task would be like overwhelming and they wouldn't be able to do it. Whereas yeah. somebody who's got that personality trait is able to sort of shift and move between things without feeling overwhelmed. I think it's a combination of having ADHD, but also having... Um I don't even know the term or if there's a word for it, but I have something where I, 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 I do believe in myself. Like when, you know, if you were to, I have a, a real belief in my ability to do almost anything, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I was talking about before kind of the path to getting to some goal, yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's crazy, but there's a path. There's a series of decisions that I could have made to play in the NBA. I didn't make those decisions. It might be too late now, but maybe not. Not really. <laughs> if I really, really broke it down. And, you know, is it impossible? Is it impossible to whatever it is, make the decision to get my nutrition this way and to, you know, work with this coach and maybe to have some fucking sort of surgery on my legs? Stretch your legs out. I have no idea. <laughs> but the, the I, I'm crazy. People think I'm crazy, and most people can't do that. Mm. Like, my, you know, my son's mother... She's much more uh, grounded in reality. It's one of the reasons why we couldn't work out was because she is very much one foot in front of the other, needs to see the you know see the finish line. If she yeah. can't see the finish line right in front of her, she's not going for it. Yeah, yeah. And I think some people, that's a very safe way to live life. Um, you know, and other people, um, that would drive me absolutely mad. But I don't think it's like everybody that is ADHD, you know, naturally can go and run five businesses. I, th I think it's... You know, it's a, you know, I look at that as, I think a lot of people would maybe get discouraged by something like that. And, I, you know, I don't really, I didn't even really realize that I had it. I didn't even believe ADD was a real thing until I was in my 30s. And then I started seeing a doctor and then I read a book on it and I was like, oh shit, I've had self -diagnosed like debilitating oh, ADD, like in a really, really <laughs> bad way, like, you know, for a very, very long time. I, when you grow up poor, you don't have anybody yeah. bringing you to a doctor to say this kid ADD. I was just a bad kid. Just a bad kid yeah. In the 90s, you're just a bad kid yeah. if you're poor. There was no Ritalin. There was nothing like that, you know, and it was probably even better. I mean, it's probably even better that you're poor because you didn't. We weren't just fed drugs just to keep yourself yeah. sort of, I don't know, who knows? Or whatever. I, I mean, the reality is, there's a million different things that could, you know, an infinite amount of things that could have happened. You know, my my if my dad wasn't murdered, I wouldn't be sitting here right now in this studio doing this incredible thing. People are like, oh, would you, you know. Uh, what are the chances if my dad when I was four years old wasn't murdered what are the chances are that my path would have led me here it's just, it wouldn't have there's no fucking chance I don't know that I would have ended up being on a better path I don't know like who yeah. knows no there's no way to know yeah. you know um, I, I sort of have this belief in this philosophy um, you know uh, you know you just gotta play your cards you're, you're dealt a hand you can 
sit here and bitch and moan about the hand all you want, um, you know, but you're not going to be able to change those cards. So you can still win the game. You know, it's, uh, I've quoted it before, but there's the movie Rounders, which is a hilarious movie to quote um, when you're trying to fucking talk about philosophy and life. But, you know, my, uh, Matt Damon's talking about you know the the World Series of Poker, and he's yeah. like, "Oh, people say it's just luck. What cards you get in poker?" He's like, "Well, if it was luck, how would it be the same eight guys at the final table of the World Series of Poker every year?" Mm. And it's how you play the cards, you know. And I, I, I you know, that always connected with me. Yeah. I, like I, I was like, "Oh shit, I love that." And you know, I got a little two seven tattooed on my arm offsuit, which yep. is the worst hand you can get in poker. Uh, man, I'm not, not saying that I have the worst. I don't have the worst hand by any means. There are people that have way worse of a hand, but it's really about how you play those cards. And when, when I watch people we have a culture to kind of bring it full circle what we were talking about in the beginning we live in a culture of people that really want to shift their cards around and they want everyone to have the same cards and it's just it's just guys you're not going you're never going to win that game you're not going to just sit in there bitching at the table doesn't matter doesn't matter it doesn't matter just play the fucking game act like you have the best hand and you're going to probably win guaranteed one thing that I keep crapping on about in this podcast with people is and it's a similar sort of thing it's like your circles of influence and control and so you've got this inner circle where that's that's everything within that's it's your hand it's it's your cards that you've got but it's going back to that culture thing everyone's focused on the outer circle where it's completely out of our control got no control whatsoever of what's going on politically or socially or whatever it is but it's like what can i do today what can i do right now and incrementally move towards whatever i want rather than what society wants or right. whatever it might be. So it's a similar sort of concept to what you said. It's just what what have I got control over in this situation? How do I react? How do I behave? You know, really simple stuff that half the time we're overwhelmed and we're thinking about all the stuff that we've got absolutely no control over. Of course. You know, well, then when you once you start to believe in that, then you start to go like, well, I can start any type of business because it doesn't really matter. Because it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The, car, the cards that are dealt in, and then you start to have this real belief in your ability to fucking do anything, and then you start to be crazy like me. Um, but I think that's where it comes from. I, I do believe, I deeply believe that, you know, you got to play your cards. I, I deeply believe that you can get anywhere you want to get. There's any. There's no goal that's unattainable. I, I, can't, I can't explain to you how much I believe that in my core. Any good salesman believes that. Mm. Any good salesman just, you know, you know, if if you're you know every no gets you closer to a yes every if you were if I'm selling you cars you know every time you know every time I every time I hear the word no that somebody comes in my office I know that I'm technically and literally closer to somebody saying yes because I close one out of four people so once you have if you believe that yep. you can go ah fuck it he said no cool buddy there's no you can walk around with a different sense of confidence and that projects onto that other next person in front of you, you'll probably close more people. You probably get further along. These are all analogies for like life that you yeah. don't have to actually be, you know, a salesperson. But like, I, like I sort of like believe that. And that was always sort of like what it came from when I was selling comic book tickets on the street, I would close one out of four people that I would stop. Yeah. So whereas most people, it was a nightmare for most people. If anyone listening to this podcast right now, if I said to you right now, I'm going to give you four pieces of paper. You got to go into your local mall, stand in front of it and then stop strangers and ask them to give you money for these tickets. It is, it's a cringy feeling. Yeah. The idea, you know, I, I, I trained thousands of people doing this job. One out of every like 300 people could do it for more than a day. It was, the the, the turnover was crazy. Yeah. Nobody could do this fucking job, okay? But the people that could do it, they understood that concept. They were like, all right, if this guy says no, I it's just, 
I'm literally closer to the next guy That's saying it. yes. And, and you get excited. They get the detachment from it as well. So they're not taking it personally. And it's, it's, There's it's, nothing if anything, personal. it's empowering them to be able to make that next step. 100%. Yeah, if, yeah. I, if I were to put 100 marbles in this cup right here and I said, There's one, marble, one, my, one white marble and 99 black marbles. And I'll give you $1,000 if you pick out the white marble, you get 100 shots. You're not going to get pissed when you pick out a black marble. Be like, cool. Give me, a minutes, give me yeah. another fucking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're excited. Yes. I, one out of 99, one out of 90, one out of 85. Yeah, yeah. You, your chances are legitimately, literally closer. And I relate that to everything. Getting laid. If you want to go, you know, bang a hot chick, just ask every hot chick you see. If they want to go get a drink, I, I, I got to be honest with you. It's just a game of numbers. Somebody's going to say yes eventually. There's a ratio of people that will say yes to you, period. Well, when I walked back through Times Square and I made the fucking fatal mistake by getting a hotel in Times Square, fucking nah, shit. No, why would me. you do that? that? Was, it was the worst. But when I walk back through this afternoon, I'll um I'll be looking out for those uh those ticket salesmen because um yeah, it's yeah. It, there's a different appreciation from because as a tourist and they're I, annoying. Oh fuck, they're the worst. They but, keep on, they keep going. Yeah, I appreciate it because I appreciate a good salesman, but yep. it's like they're fucking annoying. They're relentless. You end up buying something for them to get you away from them. It's not what it's so disconnected from what stand up comedy is, and yep. it's why I moved away from doing you know that type of job and working with clubs that that you know get people in that way. I don't even I don't even work the clubs that get people in that way because now it's turned into people that are being tricked into coming to seeing shows that aren't really there and you know it's just a different culture so you know but you know it did teach me a lot about just sales just in general and that that human to human interaction and being able to you know just go from not knowing somebody to being able to having the type of connection with them where they're going to give me cash and you know buy some piece of paper for me that could very well be worthless well i think it's a good way to wrap it up fuck yeah What's uh, what's coming up? You got a special coming out soon? Yeah, Louis J. Gomez presents Louis J. Gomez. It's going to be available everywhere in April. Um, it's a stand-up special and uh, an album as well. So if you want to just listen to the audio version, you can listen to the audio version. It's a lot of really dirty jokes, fucked up material, and I think people will like it. And you've got a million podcasts yeah. that you're involved with. So obviously there's Gas Digital here, the the umbrella, but then everything underneath. And also, I mean... We'll do around two in the years to come. Hell yeah, dude. But, yeah, um, check out the, the other pods. Legion of Skanks, Believe You May, Real Ass Podcast. Um... And that's that, man. That's cool, man. Thank you so much. You're the best. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. All right. Now go and get Lewis's special. Lewis J. Gomez presents lewisjgomez.com is the URL. The same name. Go and search for it um, through uh, Apple TV, Apple uh, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Amazon, um, Gas Digital Network dot com as well um go and grab the special it's great it's fantastic i really enjoyed it and uh make sure you support him it's his first ever special he's been doing great stuff and some of you guys would have heard um in recent weeks um he was on rogan for the second time first time um on his own i believe um so some of you may have been introduced to him recently via the rogan podcast um and he's been doing kill tony and a bunch of other stuff so i think people are going to hear a lot more from him over the coming months and years um if not already so uh, i'm just stoked that Lewis agreed to be on the podcast, which is so cool. So I hope you guys enjoyed it and uh, make sure you go and check everything out. I'll have links in the show notes as always. So click through, um, through your podcast player and there's clickable links there. Or you can go to andysocial.net and everything will be in the show notes for this episode, including a few uh, YouTube clips from Lewis's new special as well.
Wrapping it up, a few updates very quickly. Uh, we are, well, at the time of recording this outro, I've been told a few more days to wait before I start making some hard decisions. Um, but hopefully we'll have a release date for the new album very shortly. So who knows? It might be out when you guys are listening to this. Might might not, but go over to lord.net.au and uh, you'll be able to keep up to date with all the happenings for the new album, Fallen Idols, due out sometime this year. Um, we've got a national tour that's going to be kicking off in the coming months. Can't announce that yet. Well, it'll probably be announced by the time you guys hear this who knows uh lord.n.au as always go and listen to united welcome back the single the first song track one off the album it's a real ball terror um it's on spotify it's on apple music uh it's on facebook uh video um youtube as well if you can share it you can tag some mates do a bit of social media love a bit of people power means a hell of a lot to me um also um some call to actions anybody that's been leaving reviews anywhere on the internet. It could be Amazon, it could be iTunes, it could be on a message board, it could be on Discogs, it could be on Metal Archives, it could be freaking anywhere that's getting traffic. Um, Please um, shoot me a screenshot of the review. I am sending out some little thank you packs, which are a bunch of uh, patches and some other crap lying around the house. Just little thank yous to to, um, pass on our appreciation for the support. So I want people to go back and leave reviews on everything that we've released, Um, all the Lord back catalogs. So um, Personal Journey, Ascendance, Set in Stone, Digital Lies, uh, What Tomorrow Brings, Hear No Evil, uh, Return of the Tyrant, um, The Dungeon Era, uh, Prog Power, Live live, um, in USA, that fucking live album we did, Um, all that stuff. I'm I'm sure there's uh, the Digital Lies, 12-inch extended mix, um, the vinyl release that we did. Um, heaps of stuff. Um, go back and pick one of them. You don't have to own it on CD or vinyl. Um, if you've got the digital download, leave a review somewhere. It just helps us. It gets us back into the conversation. A bit of people power goes a long way. So I'm willing to thank people for leaving reviews. It doesn't have to be a good review, whatever, good, bad, neutral, meh, whatever. Just put reviews out there. We need to be talked about. So it all helps. So I will be sending out things to people. Shoot me screenshots with your mailing address. And I'm going to send stuff out. Also people that are wearing Lord t-shirts. If you're wearing a Lord t-shirt to any gig anywhere in the world between now and the end of May, shoot me a photo of yourself wearing the t-shirt, tell me where it is and give me a mailing address and I'm going to send you out some little patch packs as well because I just want to support. I want to get our branding out there. I want to support the people that are supporting us. So once again, people power, it means a hell of a lot to me. So um, please, uh, if you're feeling compelled and uh, blah, 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 and you're having all these great feelings, do that, shoot me some details and I will send you out some little thank yous in the post. Appreciate all the help. I've been getting some great, some cracking reviews from people from all of our back catalogue and some great photos as well. Make sure you tag us on Instagram and Facebook and all that sort of stuff as well. Fuck, I'm waffling on. Sorry, guys. Um, Also, Self Starter, I'm still finishing off the recordings for season two. Um, So any guest recommendations? I've had a couple of people pull out. Funnily enough, I called it. So anyway, um, if you are keen or you know someone who might fit into the Self Starter podcast, mold or whatever it is, um, shoot me a message and I will definitely consider them. Uh, selfstarter.com.au. You can listen to season one still um, through all the podcast players um, and season two will be out in the first week of June. Anyway, that's enough. Far out. Enough waffling on. I hope you really enjoyed this chat with Lewis. Um, I've got more New York episodes coming over the next few weeks. Um, just absolutely stoked that this uh, podcast is continuing to grow. I've seen some great uh, progress over the last few months and just continuing to go upwards. So thank you so much for the support. Keep spreading the word. Uh, and blah, 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 uh, enough of that. I've been doing it. Anyway, until next week, folks. Bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye. Larry. Larry, please.